Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities. We've gone underground. We've changed our voices and adopted disguises so that we can remain anonymous and bring you our unfiltered views about stocks every and week. And stay employed. That's the key. Uh, yeah, that's the key consideration uh, that we uh, find in the Value Line Investment Survey that comes out every week. Uh, this week, the May f- 16th, 2008 edition. And before we do that, though, we want to remind everybody that this is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, and we uh, may have any number of uh, serious conflicts of interest. I have a lot of conflicts um, of interest. Uh, regarding the stocks that Just we talk about. Just being here is a conflict right um, now. And we could also be in conflict with your interest because we may not know anything they should be about listening what we're to talking about. Else. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and they could be mistakenly thinking we know what we're talking about. Right. So. Uh, in any event, uh, we would like to um, welcome you to visit our website and learn more about us at www.thevalueguys.com. Um, and, There's photos uh, there, too, the, Vern, did you the, mention? And a survey, right? There is a survey, survey. if people want to take it. And, uh, you know, you get a prize if you do, whatever. It's in the fun. second half of the show, I'm going, I'm going to come back and talk about a um, interesting consumer stock. And I've got something in uh, oil field services that I think is mispriced. But oh, first, I'm going to turn it over. First, I'm going to turn over to that uh, surgeon of the stock market, Val Hughes. Uh, thanks. That's an apt introduction because there's a lot of blood. Uh, I guess that's the beginning of the. We're just at the beginning of the surgery, right now, according to my portfolio. Uh, this was a good week for me this week, ladies and gentlemen, because, uh, well, with regard to this, because there's a lot of good companies that have been a little bit beaten down. I own a bunch of these and. Uh, you know, you've got some themes running through this week's issue. Recreation, entertainment, hotel gaming, publishing, newspaper, advertising. Uh, those industries have all been left for dead, basically, by some element of the market. Um, some of it may be sustainable, some not, and I think we can make some bets in there. So I go in page number order. Not all of us do, but I do. You mean some of the businesses may be sustainable and some may not? Uh some of the trends, the business sir. model, the oh, the trends, trends driving the weak stocks. For example, ah. the newspaper industry. Listeners know that I own some newspapers. I'm going to talk about one. The question that you should have is: Is the newspaper industry going away? And many of these are priced as if it is. Um, I say no, Vern. That's where I would distinguish oh. myself from others well, who say yes. Well, I would yes. disagree. I think it is. It's just a you question of how long. Well, you know, you just have to think because of yourself some, as a sometime news, deep news into the company. Future, I don't think they'll be passing yeah, out news People have been on. predicting the end of paper uh, for 30 years, and, uh, you know, it's not happening. So I do think you'll have companies that understand their news companies. There's an ex- interesting experiment going on right now in Madison, Wisconsin, where as a two-newspaper town, now both owned by Lee, which is a stock I own, but the uh, Cap Times there has decided to go Internet only, it's the first major newspaper that I'm aware of that's done that, and it's going to be an interesting experiment to see if the model of providing news and information and really be the hub of what a city uh, has going on in terms of entertainment and local news and such uh, and sell that advertising to a local uh, audience. So that's a, an interesting thing to, to watch. More readily searchable. Yeah. No, it's got a lot of positives. Well, let me first start out this week with uh, Pool Corp. P-O-O-L, and this is on page 1856. Um, I own this stock. I bought it just recently. This is a stock that's been on the radar for a long time. 
what they do is they provide pool supplies to the giant industry of you know local pool suppliers, very fragmented, a lot of mom and pops out there, and they are the largest uh, supplier from a wholesale point of view. They don't manufacture chemicals, but they organize them, they buy them, and then they sell them onesies and twosies to uh, you know thousands of little pool companies. The stock's been crushed from a high valuation because of the housing uh, you know shortage. Uh, in terms of uh, pool demand. So what's happened is a lot of gross margin was coming from supplying new pools, and that's come off over the last couple years. And so earnings growth has, you know, been negative, et cetera. But underlying all that, 60% of their gross profit is from simply supplying the chemicals that you put in existing pools. So once this decline rolls over and you get through two years of down housing starts, and, you know, that means down number of new pools being constructed, then you get back to the very stable business of providing pool supplies to existing pools, and that's extremely stable. The cost to keep your pool maintained versus the original cost of the pool or the cost of your, the value of your property relative to having a pool that's, you know, usable versus filled with scum uh, is very small relative to the impact it can have on all that. So people keep their pools going. And uh, we're going to get back to that underlying trend probably next year. This stock has a lot of upside. It's 11 times gross cash flow. I'll look at that as a 9% cash on cash, 14 times free cash flow. Uh, I'll look at that as a 7% free cash. And then Value Line says they're going to grow at 8%. So on that simple metric, you're looking at a you know, upper teens return on your investment. Now, normally I wouldn't think that was great. But the thing I like here is it's, I won't say certain, but that's a very highly predictable estimate because of the underlying economics of what they sell relative to the investment people already have in the capital equipment that this maintains. The other thing you have going here for you is the weak dollar, which is going to keep more people at home in their own pools, and it's also going to attract more foreign people here to vacation, and when they're here, they're going to want to go in a pool. So, you know, there's a lot of trends in that regard. And also the demographics longer term are very positive. People, you know, older and richer in America. When you're older and richer, what do you want? Well, you want an RV and a pool and maybe a liquor cabinet or something as well. And that's a different show. But uh, these guys are going to slowly gain share of the recreational dollar. And, uh, you know, this housing thing ultimately is going to come back. The other thing they have going on that I really like is they're going to all the retail pool supply guys that have been overly dependent on new pool sales, and they're all in a lot of trouble, and they're offering to come with a brand for a little bit of, uh, of a royalty, and they're going to start to have a national brand of retail pool suppliers, and what that's going to do is accelerate their growth rate because a portion of their sales are going to start being at retail instead of wholesale now. So that's going to, I think, with some reliability, give you an increasing growth rate down the road. So anyway, Pool Corp, uh, I think this is a put away. Page 1856, page P-O-O-L. Value Line's written some stuff here you may want to read. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think I've covered the highlights. I own it, and uh, I think it's a good one. Okay, what else do I have? The other ones this week were not so easy for me, ladies and gentlemen. I really troubled, was troubled by it, Vern. I have to say. You were. Because, well, there's a lot of entertainment stocks here. And I have the theme of, uh, which you may have too, Vern. You know, I don't know, uh, frankly. But, um, My theme increasing, is top secret. Okay, good. Uh, increasing content 
demand because you're going to have what? Pretty soon. I know I want a lot more content. There's a lot more channels coming to cable. And actually, while that's going on, it's also increasingly irrelevant because there's infinite channels on the Internet. And pretty soon, the places where you can watch the Internet, I mean, just, you know, iPhone, uh, the Amazon Kindle is going to be, you know, over time here, a nice Internet portal. You're going to basically be traveling with a video screen at all times, and so the uh, you know demand for video and content is going to go up faster than the supply of good content. Notwithstanding YouTube and all the great stuff on there, or even these podcasts, which you know we're just you know it's a hobby, whatever. I mean, real content is in short supply relative to the growing demand. And Viacom. Uh, page 1872 is one that I ended up liking uh, up against Time Warner, CBS, Meredith. I looked at all of those. What do I like about Viacom versus these other guys? Time Warner has a lot of content. Okay, great. It's all in print. They can't sell advertising to get their way out of a box here because those markets are all going down. And, you know, you can read on your iPhone and stuff, but, you know, let's face it, you'd rather watch a video. Um, CBS Corp. I really liked CBS, uh, except that uh, they have terrible returns on capital. Their coverage ratios are too low on their debt, and their operating margin is a little bit impaired. But I could end up liking CBS, you know, but it's just CBS. It's one, you know, it's one thing. They do own radio and a few things, but and it looks decent. Gabelli owns some. That was a close one, but I passed. And then finally, Meredith owns a bunch of magazines that, I don't think necessarily transfer online that well. Viacom, on the other hand, they own a bunch of cable television stations that can easily transfer onto portable Internet, such as Nickelodeon, VH1, uh, Noggin, the N. I mean, you can hand an iPhone to your kid in the back seat, put on Noggin, and boom, you know, you can get, you can get out of town without a lot of crying. Uh, Comedy Central they own, Country Music Television, Spike TV, TV Land, all those Gilligan's Islands and stuff. What? I didn't You're say You're just anything. so quiet today, Vern. Um, and the other thing they own is video gaming. They have this uh, competitor to uh, uh, Rock Band or what have you. Let's see here. Um, no, Rock Band is the competitor to, what is it, that uh, uh, EA owns. Fascinating. Anyway, they're having uh, some great success with this. <laughs> he was Are rubbing his chin. Today, he was Vern? rubbing his chin, folks. Well, I'm trying to think about that other game, but in any case, they have a little piece of this video game. You know, we've had Look success with Take Two and all that. Uh, so they've got a lot of video content, which I think is get going in you know, growing demand. And their returns on capital are superior to all these other companies. Time Warner is putting up, you know, low single digits, upper single digits, yeah, four percent. CBS hmm. is putting up six percent. Viacom is doing 12% returns on capital, 25% return on equity. They sell at eight times gross cash flow, 10 times free because CapEx, uh, you know, they're not spending a lot on CapEx. They got a lot of good brands. They own Paramount Pictures and DreamWorks. So these guys have some high-quality content uh, into a thesis of growing locations to view the content. And, uh, you know, what else can I say? Indiana Jones. Uh, they've got Shrek. Is it cheaper than Disney? Uh, again, Disney's, you know, uh, yeah, it, it is cheaper than, than Disney. Hmm. Um, and you don't have the event risk that I've always felt, unfortunately, sad to say you have at Disney. Where, Why you know, is that? 
Well, because it's sad that, you know, an event could occur at a Disney theme park that would hurt. Oh, hurt I see Disney. what you mean, yeah. Viacom is just all video content, and uh, I think you have a growing demand for video content. So, so that's it's, a, it's probably a lot cheaper than Marvel? It probably is, Vern, probably. if, that's, you if I'm quoting Marvel? you. Yes, I looked at every oh. stock in the oh, space. Okay. I'm just curious. Yeah. Why, what do you think about Marvel? Do you know anything about it? Then if you don't, why are you bringing no, it up? No, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm interested in the though, idea that they're talking on. about producing their own uh, their own movies now where they can link Marvel the stories from about? movie to movie. Okay, that's not diversified. The thing I like here. Oh, you like the diversification. Here's what I like, hmm. Vern. Let me tell you. Growing locations to watch a uh, – Gilligan to watch on. content, mm-hmm. content not growing as fast as demand for content. Now, it could be that people like comics, too, certainly look at that and look at the valuation. This is eight times gross cash flow. Marvel's had a string of successes that strike me that you're being attracted to the hype and the high valuation. Well, what I'm interested Viacom's in. under the radar. What I'm friend. interested in is they own the content. But what I'm hearing about Viacom, it, I mean, Nickelodeon is powerful because it's a brand and it's a channel. Well, they do a lot of original content, Nickelodeon. They okay. do movies. They own characters. You're talking about the Nickelodeon of a decade ago. Oh, I see. And over the last 12 years, almost it. everything, well, you have old kids. You're out of touch. Mm-hmm. No, they have done a wonderful job with Nickelodeon. But the beauty is that's just a, a little piece of this. Comedy Central, mm-hmm. heard of that? John Stewart? No. Yeah, once or you twice. Know? Okay. So they have a lot going on. Uh, Paramount Pictures has a moving bunch of right movies. along. Well, our third stock this. is how much time do we have? Gatehouse Media. I'll just do this quickly. Gatehouse Media. You have a couple minutes. It's a newspaper. Uh, what I like about the newspaper channel right now is I think that local news is still going to have uh, demand, and I don't think there's much competition for that. And they also have the local sales force that knows where the advertising dollars are. So when you start to think about what's their edge in the local marketplace. Um, it's the ability to generate content, again, that theme, and the ability to sell advertising around that content. Uh, Gatehouse is a company that is among a group of newspapers that seem to understand they're in the news business. Gatehouse is actually owned, the majority of it right now is owned by a private equity firm that uh, understands the, uh, let's see, Fortress owns 42% of it. Uh, you know, they understand officers and directors own 46% of it. So there's a couple groups here who understand how to make money. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty levered. And according to Value Line, they're not earning their interest, but that's on an earnings basis. This what is being, do they do? It's a newspaper company. What they, they have uh, 101 daily newspapers, 132 shoppers, that's the advertising thing, 282 weekly papers, and they operate more than 230 websites. So those are local websites built okay. around the idea that they're a destination for all news. Small town You America. know, Main Street in USA, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, they're generating 20% operating margins. They're trading, ladies and gentlemen, at four times cash flow. Now, this stock is down at, from 20. Uh, and these private guys are in at much, much higher prices than this. But all these media companies have been, you know, melting down because in part of the credit crisis. And so what was happening was these media companies, the newspapers were being levered up because of their stable cash flow. And so, you know, they got very levered. Some people paid a big dividend. Some people, um, you know, took a cash payout, what have you. Um, And all of a sudden, access to capital was at risk 
And so these stocks have been absolutely crushed. And then you layer on top of that two or three years of circulation declines, and that's a problem for everybody. But we've got to be getting closer to a core circulation number. There are a lot of reasons. You know, you may own a Kindle or read on your laptop, but the newspaper continues to have a lot of advantages relative to uh, breakage and loss. Uh, you know, so in effect, there's an insurance policy in every newspaper that if you drop it, you're still okay. And they remain, I think, sources of unique uh, content relative to their local, um, you know, area. And they're increasingly partnering up with websites or creating websites or getting with Yahoo or Google to share advertising on their local tabs and things like that. Gatehouse is one of those. They seem to be one of the smart ones in terms of operations. Um, and uh, the market thinks they're going out of business. Four times gross cash flow, five times free. They're migrating uh, news to the Internet. That's why we want to watch this experiment in Madison, Wisconsin. But Internet advertising prices have been going up at a very rapid pace in a market where all other ad rates have been down. That's very positive. So I, uh, you know, I don't have a lot else to add. Look at this, Gatehouse, GHS, and uh, see what you think. You know, it looks cheap to me. That's page 1905. Inverne? That's all I have this week. <clears throat> take I'm, it out. Take I'm, it on. I'm speechless. All right. You have been. Okay. Cheers. Good luck to your half of the show, Thank you. Vern. You're welcome. I'm going to lead off this week with uh, uh, I actually had an interesting experience. I was looking for a consumer stock with the idea of something that could be you know, very early cycle if the economy indeed is going to bottom somehow between now and the summer of 2009, um, and uh, found myself attracted to Polaris initially because it has a below market PE, and uh, they have this. Uh, they have a lot of cash flow, and they're using it to buy back stock aggressively. I own and that. I almost talked about the valuation. Great looks uh, the valuation looks reasonably attractive, but um, I had skipped over Brunswick because Brunswick is showing a 24 PE instead of the 13.9 at Polaris. Uh, but a little more yield, and that caught my attention. And then I realized that instead of, you know, having been trading in sort of a stable stock price range like Polaris is, that Brunswick's valuation, of course, exaggerated because earnings are down a lot. And uh, the stock reflects it. The stock is down 70% from its all-time high achieved in 2004 and five of almost $50, recently under 17 and cut in half in the last 12 months. Uh, yielding 3.6%. And um, so careful look at the numbers uh, necessary here, of course. Value line showing expected return over a longer period of time of between 18 and 29%. So they apparently realize there's uh, value here. Who are we talking about? I don't. What do you think of when I say Brunswick? Is it boats. bowling or boats? No, boats and boats? boat motors. Boats and is what you think about. For right? those products. Okay. And those are in the, in the tank. Yep. And uh, it turns out, and that's what I think of as well, and it turns out that's only 30% of revenue, of which only um, 60% is in the U.S. So less than 20% of the company's revenue is in the U.S. boat business. Now, I'm not, uh, not going to uh, try to convince anybody that uh, the, the bowling center, uh, billiards equipment, and exercise equipment is a great place to be doing business today now either. What is it that they these do? Are all, these, are all, uh, these are all discretionary consumer uh, spending, of course, and discretionary spending is under a lot of pressure, especially from high gas prices. They, make Bruns they operate uh, Brunswick bowling centers, sell the equipment. They also um, sell 
pool, uh, you know, uh, billiards equipment. And the, uh, they apparently, are, I don't know the names, Life, uh, the brands, Life Fitness, Parabody, Hammer Strength exercise equipment. So I gather the bowling and billiards piece must be uh, the largest part of the company. Really? Uh, yeah, I think I'll. I thought the um, boats business was the largest part no, of the company. I, I, I just reading I'm, I'm just reading what yeah. Value Line says, right? Misperception. And retail boat sales in the first quarter were down 17% domestically, uh, which I guess is a lot. Um, but the uh, the numbers here, I think, are instructive. At, at less than $17, the stock is priced at less than 30% of trailing 12-month revenue. Um I'm looking at an earnings per share projection from uh, Value Line that would be the lowest number in 15 years, uh, over which time uh, sales have tripled on a per share basis compared to the EPS number. Uh, we're looking at, I'm looking at a cash flow per share number uh, that is as low as it has been in the same period of time. So th- these are these are numbers that reflect well, f- reflect a business that's under a great deal of stress. Uh, in as worse or as bad uh, business conditions as they've experienced in 15 years, apparently. I don't like this company. Return on capital has gone down to the mid-low single digits. Uh, operating margins, value lines operating margins, um, at one point in the mid-teens, in, in the 10 per, 9 to 10% range for the last six years, uh, have fallen to mid-single digit levels. What's so. uh, Polaris? What's their operating margin? Oh, it's fantastic in yeah. comparison. I mean, they're, they're, Why are you talking about Brunswick instead of Polaris? Because this one's a lot cheaper. Uh, it turns out Polaris at around six and a half times uh, a record EBITDA level for the company, okay, compares to Brunswick at below five times. Uh, the question, I think, becomes are you, how concerned are you about their meeting their obligations? They only have 28 – they have 700 – a little over $700 million in debt, but they have over $300 million of cash on the balance sheet. Sir, do you know what's going on at Polaris? That's very important liquidity. But let me finish, if you mind. No, not at all. Uh, Please they, go um, I, Value Line says interest coverage nine times. I calculate a projection of $200 million of, of EBITDA for the company, which would cover their interest uh, by about four times. Also covers the dividend about four times. So I can pay interest and dividends two times over with the worst numbers I've had. They're admittedly a guess, but uh, the worst numbers I've had really in the modern history of the company. Um, and I've got a valuation that's at a discount to Polaris, uh, who has got the, the valuations on the best numbers they've ever had. They've got the best product lineup they've ever had. Well, I'm just looking. I'm looking for value is what I'm looking for. And uh, I'm going to dive into um, I'm going to dive into the Brunswick pool. I'd pass on that one. Uh, at um, about seven times uh, value lines estimate for gross cash flow per share this coming year, and with uh, capital spending estimated to be about two hundred million dollars that I would argue can be easily deferred for a few quarters if necessary to uh, get us through the worst part of, uh, of the down cycle. Stock looks like it's trying to bottom out. It's bottomed out in the 14 to 15 range. It looks to me like it's trying to go to three zero. Three months so far this year. And Look I, at that. I, it looks like it's trying to do that. That's because people aren't willing to step up, be bold when the news Why is bad, you when you get the best What's values. Going, how are they going to get out of this mess? Value. 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 How are they going to get out of it? Yeah. Uh, consumer spending is going to stabilize. Yeah, but what if none of it's spent on the stuff they sell? Uh, none of it? 
Absolutely okay. zero. Well, bowling, is it in the ascension? So they'll get a little smaller. They'll downsize a little bit. The stock is valued. They're being valued like there's a high uh, risk right. that they may not Listen, make no, it. A, a guy in the office likes that one, too. Hmm. So. You don't like him, huh? No, I do like oh. him. He's very talented. But <laughs> he. Uh, I've had a lot of pain with Brunswick, Vern. I don't you know if I've ever described it. No, you I've owned the stock. That. I've known oh, management. Well, I've met them. These guys can't earn their way out of a bank. Look at their returns. They're never any good. No, they're not that great. No, they never are. Yeah. These guys are eroding value every day. If you give them a dollar, they're going to give you 95 cents back, and it's going to be in five years, and along the way they're going to be promising you $2. Yeah, well, in the That's meantime, my opinion. In the meantime, I'm going to make a lot of money before. I doubt that. I don't like the company. Do you mind, mind if I, I can, No, mind go if ahead. I'm just trying to understand. How do you feel about McGraw-Hill? Oh, well, by the way, Brunswick's symbol is BC, okay? Um I don't have anything against McGraw-Hill. Do like, okay, McGraw they do Hill, S&P. Okay. That's right. CompuStat. This is why I'm the stock's fan. on sale. The stock is down around 45% from its high last year. Uh, there, there was – Value Line shows an, a buyer, uh, an insider, uh, when the bo- stock was find, trying to find a bottom around $40, which is where it is right now. Value Line rates at a 5, but they say returns expected to be 21 to 28%. It's got a better than 2% yield. Um, uh, McGraw-Hill is a global information provider to financial, education, and business markets through things like Standard & Poor's, who, of course, has uh, been under the spotlight because of the uh, public's perception that they uh, somehow should be uh, guardians of the financial system and uh, forensic accountants rather than uh, the simple uh, observers they often are in terms of uh, well they're uh, trying to do analysis the analysis was wrong you can't well, legislate analysts to be right and it's uh, otherwise we'd be in a lot of trouble unfortunately because because the analysts it's a natural perspective of the dead analyst to be a bit more uh, backward looking in terms of you know what did my balance sheet look like on that day um, six or eight weeks ago, et cetera, and sometimes can be just a little bit slow when things are changing rapidly, and they come under criticism when that happens. Uh, that, uh, in combination with the lockup in the credit markets uh, in the first quarter, uh, turned in uh, produced a uh, down earnings comparison, apparently um, understood was coming by the market, um, but um, well, they were rating a lot of securities last year that no longer exist. Oh yeah, just dollar volume. This year. It says dollar volume in the new issue market in the U.S. was down yeah. more than fifty. That just rolls so off. That's going to. That's get a that. temporary problem. Right. So you've got uh, really a very important platform in terms of they uh, they own the uh, the following brands as well: Business Week and Aviation Week, Platts, which is a major uh, resource provider on uh, energy sector information, and they um, they own the business. Value line doesn't mention it here. It's the primary resource for uh, industry and Wall Street on uh, construction statistics as well. So very important uh, uh, information content provider that you can buy for under 15 times earnings because they missed a quarter because of a once-every-couple-decade kind of uh, uh, market event. Vern. Mm-hmm. I like this one. You so do? You know. oh, yes, I do. Hey, that's yes, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm one I for two. I wanted to tell you. For those keeping to. score at home, I'm one for two. Let's see if he likes my third stock this week. What time is it? Oh, I need to wrap it up right away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for very much, everybody. <laughs>
Uh, my third stock is Rowan Companies. I was looking for an oil service company, and I saw this, and it rang a bell, and I did just a little bit of looking uh, uh, before uh, the show, uh, but not enough to have noticed an important margin number that I wish I had. But in any event, um, it, Rowan Company is a, uh, uh, is a uh, drilling service provider uh, to the oil and gas uh, industry, I think primarily in, uh, in uh, the Gulf of Mexico, but I'm not sure about that. Uh, and the valuations is what gets you looking at it because the PEs are all around 10 or 9 or 8, and the uh, relative PEs of value line shows are at 0. 0.5 and 0. 0.6. Isn't that all on peak numbers, though? They're peak on early? huge numbers, numbers unlike anything you've ever seen before. So, but between them, um, I actually find a stock that I think is selling at uh, too much of a discount because uh, first, just on a simple enterprise value to EBITDA calculation, using value lines numbers, Rowan comes in at around five times, got Tidewater at six, Ensco at seven, um, Neighbors at eight, and Noble at nine. I've got the entire range here, but Rowan at the bottom of it. And... Um, Rowan is in the process, and Value Line doesn't cover it here, mysteriously in their write-up. Maybe they talked about it the last time they wrote on the company, but uh, Rowan has been um, um, uh, negotiating with a essentially uh, hostile minority shareholder who's insisting they do something to correct this valuation discount to these other companies. And uh, one of the things that the board has decided to do is evaluate strategic alternatives for a manufacturing segment that this company has that the others doesn't that accounts for 44% of revenue. But, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's maybe 20% of the earnings of the company. But nevertheless, um, they're going to consider uh, uh, divesting this thing with the idea that that would unlock some value, and I think that's probably right. Um, the, uh, the business that they're talking about, Laterno, has annual sales of, uh, well, according to Value Line, 44% of revenue is this segment. So that's about $900 million in sales. Um, I'm going to say that EBITDA margins are about 20% for a manufacturer of heavy equipment for mining, that's coal mining, timber industry. They build marine drilling rigs for Rowan and could for others, and they operate a mini steel mill. And a steel business is, of course, a good business to be in right now. So uh, if, if I was going to sell that on private market, I'll bet I could get 10 times EBITDA for that. So 20% of $900 million times a 10 multiple gives me a $1.8 billion valuation for the business. Now, the total enterprise value, according to value line statistics here, is only $4.6 billion for the entire company. That leaves 2.8. And if I assume that 80% of the EBITDA stays with the drilling business against that 2.8, I have about $650 million of EBITDA and under a five times multiple, under five times for a pure play drilling services business where everybody else trades is at least six and some as high as eight or nine. So, uh, and with the, with the transaction to occur and the opportunity for mispricing as that's happening, probably explains some of the discount today. Um, it oh, seems or to the me uncertainty that it, of getting that valuation. Gonna, right. It's going to create an opportunity. Well, there's alternatively, they might spin it out, and then it would trade, and it might trade with a premium based on you know speculation that uh, some of these assets, I think, would be highly sought after. Very interesting um, idea. So Bert. take a look at uh, RDC, Rowan Companies, 
I had McGraw-Hill, MHP, and Brunswick, BC, and I'll say my favorite idea is Brunswick, BC. No, I'm not going to do that. Wow. I, you gave, me, you gave oh. me the willies with this no, bad omen stuff. that stock never is good, I just want to tell you. you. I, I mean, you're scaring me. I well, should. Didn't the former CEO from there go to A lot of problems. 3M? Isn't the George what? Buckley at 3M from Brunswick? The guy from Brunswick? I'd be shocked. I don't know, but that oh, would shock I, I me. I think that's right. Um, I can't believe that's because right. Because he cre- I think he managed it to the peak and then <laughs> left for 3M. The peak was like, in like, 1958. Sort of like Nardelli. No, no, no. It was in 2004. Ah. Uh, not that the long returns ago. on capital. I'm going to go with McGraw-Hill. Yes, because that's the one. It's a high-quality name in an uncertain market that's been uh, obviously marked down for something that should be – Temporary, and I'm going to go with pool for that same reason. Oh, a theme! Yeah, congratulations. Right. Thanks, Bye, everybody. everybody. We'll see you next week.